well, you cut your spending. You know, we're, we're not Congress people, so we don't get to spend way more money than we make. So if you're like any of us and we're out there hustling every day, you have to align your spending plan with what you actually bring in. And that's, you might say, well, I only bring in a thousand a month. Well, that's a lot of us living at home, doing whatever it takes, not having the car we want, not having the things we want. And unfortunately, we live in the Kim Kardashian era where everyone gets an iPhone, everyone gets a Mercedes, everyone gets, right, whether you can afford it or not. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Color of Money podcast. It is 2024 now. It's a whole new year. And guess what? We are almost at 10,000 listeners. I'll stop for the round of applause. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. You just heard my co-host, Emrick Peace. I've also got Daniel Dixon with us. And today's special guest is none other than the president of the largest real estate company in the world. We have with us Mark King. Uh, his name says it all. I'm sure you've got some phenomenal bio that's long and lengthy, but I think that just calling you the president of the largest real estate company in the world is enough. So anyways, welcome to 2024 with your co-host at the Color of Money podcast and welcome Mark King to this conversation. Mark is a wealth conversation master. Is that, is, can I call it something like that? Uh, no, failure, but uh, working hard every day. <laughs> Anyways, when Mark talks about wealth building, uh, people listen. In fact, we had a conference a couple of years ago, and uh, Mark got on the stage, and he was the number. He took the whole show. They had a lot of big names up there and a lot of lights, but all anybody talked about when they left that conference was Mark King's wealth building session. So we're honored to have him with us today. And uh, Mark, will you introduce yourself and tell us why you're here and what we're going to talk about or what you want to talk about? Because it's your show. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm super excited to be here. Happy 2024, everyone. Uh, three of my favorite humans on the planet. I'm very fortunate to work a couple doors down from Julia here in Austin, Texas, where we have bad cedar allergies this time of year. So I forgive my voice and uh, my coughing, but uh, but I'm super excited to have this conversation. I think uh, it's long overdue. The number one word searched on YouTube last year was wealth. So we know it's a topic everybody's interested in, and it's a topic that most of us didn't grow up with. I myself grew up very poor. So it's, it's my personal passion. And yes, I have a day job and, and some other businesses, but if I can go impact tens of thousands of people and help them build wealth and go passive, uh, I will feel like I've lived a, a, a life worth living. And so that's that's why I'm here, um, and I'm, I'm super excited. Great to have you, Mark. Thank you, Daniel. And how's Colorado, my friend? You doing good? It's cold. It, it got it got cold, real huh? cold again. Yeah, you you knew that when you moved there, so it ain't a surprise. <laughs> every year it doesn't get any easier though. When 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 it changes and the snow hits, it doesn't get any easier. So, Mark, our, our conversation when we think about, I mean, you've you've had just about every um, every position in this company by by now, right? That isn't that about right. So when you think about <laughs> when you think about over your journey in. Um, being a team leader and talking to some top producing agents about this wealth and starting that journey on wealth. When we think about starting a new year. What does that wealth plan look like? What do, where do people start? How do we get focused? I've got a whole six-step process that I'd love to walk you through. Uh, and this started, Daniel, back before when I was a real estate investor working in corporate America, before I even got my real estate license, I started, I wanted to learn about wealth because no one in my family had any. I grew up Southern Baptist and poor and and so uh, there was never any discussion. If you had extra money, you were to give it to the church. 
And uh, that's just the way that I was raised. And so in, in later adult life, I kind of learned if I'm a good steward of my money, I can actually do more of God's work than maybe the church uh, maybe wants me to if I, if I don't build wealth. And so as we think about a new year, it's always my favorite time uh, because we get to rebuild goals, we get to rethink accountability, we get to, you know, we, we get to to imagine all the things that could be. So before I started selling real estate, and, I, and you mentioned all the roles, I failed at every role that I've had, but I failed quickly and I learned. I'm a, I'm a learning-based person, make being learning-based, the foundation of your action plan is a personal perspective that I live and I, and I fail at everything I do and uh, until, until I don't, right? And I, I lean on experts like you all to help me through that. So one of the things I've learned over time is there are some truths about building wealth that if, if we nail those truths, then we'll be on the right path. And so if we just kind of start with this and I'll, I'll just kind of interview you all, do you have a specific wealth building goal? I don't care what it is. It might be to pay off a car. It might be to pay off one credit card. It might be to get out of debt. It might be to invest in your first investment property, whatever the case is, do you have a specific 2024 goal that you have named? That's yes. an actual question. That's yep. an actual yes. Question. yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, I do. Okay. Do you, would you mind sharing? And you don't have to share specifics, but give me an idea of what that one goal is around wealth building. So when, when, it, when it comes about wealth building, for me, it's, it's a cash flow game now. So my goal is getting our burn rate, our family's burn rate in investments through notes, through um, owning real estate, creating, creating enough cash to buy these assets to create the cash flow to weather any storm. No matter what's happening in the economy or the world, me and my family are going to live the way that we live every day in and day out, no matter what these external factors are. I love that. You're a man after my own heart. And I would the way I would say that is your passive income pays your bills, whether the market's down 40%, uh, whether your business is up or down, your passive income will pay your bills no matter what. And that ironically allows you to make better business decisions and it allows you to actually make more money. So the number one thing we all need to have, um, and I'm, I'm going to this is going to sound a little more top down because we, we're limited on time, but I believe the number one thing we all have to have is a very specific goal. So let me just give you an example. When I was kind of coming up in this conversation, my budget each month, which is a dreaded word, nobody likes it. So I call it spending plan instead. That sounds better. Sounds more fun. So Julia, my, my budget, my budget was 5,000 a month. It was 5,000 a month. I didn't have to go live in a car again, like I did in eighth grade. So for me, I worked my tail off out of fear, ironically, that scarcity mindset of, man, if I just get to 5,000 a month, my life is going to be great. I don't ever have to have the heat turned off again. I don't have to worry about not having a phone. I can actually subsist. So for me, it was a very low goal, which is a, the lesson there is whatever goals you build, whatever questions you ask, those are the answers you will get. And so if you build a wealth plan, Daniel, to, to make 5,000 a month, you'll get there. And, and I know you're already there, but I mean, if you were starting out and I was, I was coaching you, knowing you like I do, you, you have unlimited upside in what you can do. So remember that as your, your goal should be something that scares you. It should be, if it doesn't scare you, it's probably not big enough, but it should be something I think of, you know, I have a, I have a little dog at home. And if I, if I hold a treat for that dog, just out of reach, I can get it to do anything I want it to do. If I hold it too high, it just sits there and looks at me like I'm, I'm kind of an idiot. If I hold it too low, it just eats the treat. 
your goals are that way. They should be far enough that they stretch you, but not so far that they're so far out of sight that you won't take any action towards them. So number one's a goal. So let's let's call it 5,000 a month for argument's sake. Number two then is, so back to the question uh, for any of you, do you have a, an accountability partner or a, a partner to have these conversations with? By the way, if you're married, it must be your spouse in my in my in my world, right? And so do you have a spouse or accountability partner? Yes. Perfect. Are they are they on the same page with that number one goal? Yeah, definitely. Okay, perfect. So I, I'm very fortunate as well, Daniel. As you you know, Kristen, she's she's on board. We have these discussions at length. We have a dream date once a week and we talk about our financial goals and where are we and what do we want to accomplish. The reason this is so important is number one cause of divorce is not things like infidelity. It's money fights, money problems, not being aligned in finances. So knowing that's the biggest thing, when I met my soulmate and I knew I want to be with this person the rest of my life, the most important thing to me was to figure out what are the biggest causes for that not to happen and how do I avoid that at all costs? So having your spouse on the same page or if you're if you're not married or not in a relationship, having an accountability partner is really important to bounce things off of. So that's number two. Number I think three, the, the, the important yeah, piece of that, the important piece of that too, Mark, is when if you don't have your partner's alignment on what you're working so hard for, it's going to create more challenges and more and more um, more fights and more arguments about what's happening. So I think it's really important to have that person, that spouse, that partner on that same page with you on this journey. Yeah. And we're all either spenders or savers. And when you're, my wife and I are both spenders. And so if we don't have this conversation, that next set of golf clubs or that next handbag or whatever it happens to be, you know, we have very specific rules, Daniel. We got a $500 spending limit. If we're, if we're going to spend over $500, uh, we have to talk to each other about it, check it off. Does it match where we're going with our, with our wealth? Right. Do y'all have any rules like that? No, but if we did, I feel like she'd be at like four ninety nine every day or every other day. So she just <laughs> under that five. No, I'm playing. She, she, I'm playing. She's definitely not like that. Well, I think it, I think what, what I see a lot of people, a lot of new agents that we work with struggle with when they think about goal setting. They think about having these plans. Is they think they has to be etched in stone. And so your analogy of the dog treat like completely resonated and made it so simple and easy to understand. Because if you say you're gonna year one in the business, you're gonna make a million. That's a really big goal and the majority of folks don't do it. Doesn't mean that can't be a stretch goal, but if you bring that treat down a little bit and you say, hey, here's what I should do and here's what I possibly can 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 stretch to do, it makes it more attainable and it, you have to have those small victories to build the momentum to keep pushing through to achieve the goal because if you if you're so far away constantly, it's it's hard to get motivated to want to to want to continue to grind. It's so spot on. I think about it like the the whole couch to 5K program, right? If you, if you <laughs> right. haven't run and you're, your plan is to go run a marathon and you make that your goal, you're going to hurt yourself and you're not going to hit the goal and then you're not going to want to make goals anymore. But if you make your goal to go walk a half mile and, and you're going to accomplish that in some period of time and then you're going to up that to one mile, then eventually that marathon is just going to be a natural progression of the goals you've been setting throughout however long You've been setting them, right? The the third the third kind of principle here is there are three different phases of wealth. You'll notice there's a little play on on words in, in this program. It's 
It's one goal. It's two partners. It's three phases of wealth. And you got to understand the dynamics. We all grew up different. We all grew up uh, different ideas around money, taught different things around money. But I believe that there are three distinct phases of wealth. The first phase is when you're just trying to cover security. If you lose a job, go several months without a paycheck, whatever the case is, you can still pay your bills and not live on the streets. That's that's what drives most of us to, to go to work. And the challenge there, until you've passed through that first phase, that's when we make our worst decisions around career choices. How many of us have taken a job we hated just because we needed the money to pay bills? Right. So that for me, I identify that if my budget's five thousand a month, then I need to go get five thousand a month in passive income. And and if you're not if you're not at your monthly budget, your monthly spending plan, you're in phase one of wealth building. We got to do whatever it takes to get there. We could talk about anything you want to talk about, whether it's profit share or real estate investing or buying notes or any of the things that you're working on, Daniel. But but understand there's three distinct phases. The second phase is called comfort. And that's when you've reached about double your monthly spending plan. So in this analogy, if I was bringing 10,000 a month, I'd be really comfortable. And ironically, it's the most dangerous place for all of us on our wealth journey. Once we get comfortable, you, you all have lived this. We, we don't live every day on the edge of our seat. You're all amazing high performers, but we don't live every day on the edge of our seats that we're going to go live in a car tomorrow if we don't work as hard tomorrow as we did today. When you get comfortable, and in this case, you've got 10000 a month coming in passive, whether you work or not, and your bills are 5000 a month, most people stop there and never go further. And you're at, you're at huge risk to not change the world, number one, and that something could happen, lawsuits or health or whatever, that throws you right back into phase one. So I keep pushing to phase three, which then is 10 times my original goal, which in this case would be $50,000 a month. If your budget's five thousand a month and you build a plan to get to fifty thousand a month passive income, you can go change the world. And so that's step number three. And those are that's just it. There's three steps, right? Just one, two, three. Those are the steps. Well, that I think that's good, Mark. And I'm glad you put it that way. Over the over the holiday break, uh, my brother was listening to all of these these episodes, and he would text me and say, "Oh my God, Diego is great. That guy, that guy's story. Oh, I listened to John Clyde. John Clyde's story is and, and probably about episode ten that he was on. He was like, "So where 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 do I start? Like, what's the <laughs> like? These are all great conversations. How do you wrap this up into? If I'm just listening to this, how do you do a one, two, three start? And I think you literally just did that in less than ten minutes. Gave us a one, two, three start. But you also though were talking about 5,000 in passive income, right? That's the nature of this conversation. So, okay, what about for the majority of our listeners who are just trying to make $5,000 a month, period, yeah. to live off of? The very first thing you have to do, and Daniel nailed it earlier, uh, is you have to have an understanding of what your outflow is. You know, when I teach, I have a wealth building community I've, I've built over 20 years, it's got about 20,000 people in it. And and the one thing that we teach there is you have to understand money will flow into your life. We all make enough money and, and take the outliers. It's less than 1% of people in America that for some external reason will never build wealth. The rest of us have no excuse. And this is the hard conversation because you don't know how I grew up. You don't know my influences. You don't know what happened to me. You don't know my personal tragedies. There are lots of great excuses. By the way, those happen to all of us and they've happened to all of you. And so once we get real and we go, well, wait a minute, that's, that's life, 
then you got to start with a spending plan. Know what's going out. Money will come in, money will go out. How you choose to, to treat that and your personal behavior will determine if you're part of the 3% that end up actually building wealth or you're part of the 97% who do not in the United States, right? So very first step is you've got to understand what your outflow is. Then you have to do whatever it takes to make that amount of money actively when they're just starting out, Julia. So if my budget was 5,000 a month and I woke up tomorrow with no job, you would see me with a power washer and you'd see me knocking on doors, offering to clean people's driveways for 50 bucks a pop. You'd see me driving for Uber, delivering pizzas, whatever it took to not go live in a car again, I will go do, right? So in our business and in real estate, the, you know, this is where, this is a danger zone because until we're making 5,000 a month, we're always looking out at what's the other thing we could be doing. I almost quit on this business multiple times. Like I'm sure all of you did in the early days. Um, and I would bartend at night and I would work on my sphere of influence, my database during the day and, you know, that sort of thing. And it took me about three years before I really felt comfortable selling real estate for a living and not thinking maybe I should just go get a real job, right? So whatever it takes to get to your monthly budget, but then you can't stop there. The mistake is we, we end up working three jobs to pay our 5000 a month, and that's where we stop. That's, that's the thing, though, is we're, what we're after as on the journey of making more money is comfort. And what I'm hearing you say is you got to get away from being comfortable and push to be able to achieve that next thing. How do we get people to perform without their backs against the wall? I, I don't. I'm, I, I struggle with that with agents in my business. Like, why do we need to get your pipeline to zero before you realize? Oh shoot, I got to go grind again to go make. How do we continue to keep those that energy of the fight without having to have your whole world fall apart to be able to achieve? Okay. This is this is the hard, the harsh thing I would say on that. And, and I, I get this straight out of the book, "Who Not How" uh, by Benjamin Hardy and, and Dan Sullivan. If you're in business with the wrong people, I don't believe there's anything you can do to motivate them. And we see this in our business a lot, right? You see the people who they work, 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 they get a deal going, they get a closing and you don't see them for a month. And then you'll see them work, work, work and get a closing. And right, I, I lived that in my former business as well, which was commission only, right? And so I think you, I always look at it this way. I can't light a fire under anyone, but I can definitely light fires within someone. And so if I'm talking to the right person, if I've done the due diligence, if I've checked their behavior and their personality and I'm, I've made the right hire on my team, I should never have to worry about lighting a fire under them. I just worry about lighting a fire within them and then they'll take it from there. And so they're kind of showing you who they are. And unfortunately, there is a large percentage of us that just don't want to do the work. And the ironic part, the work is not any harder. My dad was this way. He would do more work to figure out how to not work than just do the work. <laughs> and, and we were poor our entire lives, right? You know, it, it's, it's funny that you say it that way, Mark, because you say you can't light a fire under someone. And that whole conversation about that motivation, that's motivation. Motivation is like bathing. You know, you got to do it every day. And for you to spend that much energy trying to motivate somebody every day because every day is a different day. It's exhausting to you. It's exhausting to them. And I like that idea where you say light a fire within them. So when, you, when you're having that conversation and, and talking about the right people, right, and people wanting to take that wealth journey and then being comfortable and they just work to the place of comfortability, 
when you light lighting that fire within them, does that require that that requires that you know them? That requires that you have an investment in them. So are you saying that for most people, in order for them to get to the next level in wealth, like you said, it's a who? It's a who, you know, relationships. We don't, we never have income issues. We don't, we never have relate income issues. We only have relationship issues. So, are you saying for someone to truly get to the next level, it's about who you're connected with in your relationships to help light that fire within you? That's certainly, you know, that's it's a fast. I would say it this way: it's a faster way to affect change because, you know, Emmerich, you and I have known each other for twenty years, probably longer. I know you so well that I can have much more direct, faster conversations with you. If if you if you were my coach or I was your coach, there we would get to the heart of the issue in thirty seconds. When you don't have a strong relationship, it takes much longer. So I would just say it accelerates that. But go back to you said something really important, and, and that is when when you're when you're in business with the right people, your fire that you help light inside of them that you motivate them. You might have heard it that way, right? You motivate them instead of motivate. I don't believe any other any human can motivate other people without mm-hmm. fear. I, I've kind of lived that. You can I think about my football days in college, right? I had a football coach who who would spit in your face as a as a manner of talking to you, right? And and not on purpose. He just had lots of juices, I guess. And but he, would, he would yell all the time. And that's how he motivated us to go do our jobs. The good players, I wasn't one of them, but the good players never needed that motivation. They were already great players. So that's a big thing. The second thing you said that's really important is logic makes you think, emotion makes you act. So before we get into, we got to get into relationship. Yes. We also got to get into the the numbers and, and people don't, we can build a goal and, and we can build, understand your spending plan. And those are, that's all mathematical. It's all in your brain. It's all cerebral. It's logical. That doesn't cause anybody to take that first step. That's where you as the leader who lights the fire within them, help move them to emotion and say, why is it so important? You know, my very first coach was a Robert Kiyosaki coach. And he asked me a question one day. He said, what are you willing to do to never live in a car again? And that changed my wealth building life forever. Because what I what I did is I made that the benchmark. So you got to know someone well enough to know what's going to motivate them within themselves in order to go do the things they're going to have to actually do. And that comes from emotion. Now, wait, can I can I bring this back? Because you all have kind of gotten off into a leadership coaching conversation of how you coach and lead someone. And my original question was for the average listener who isn't even making $5,000 a month, where do they start? And you said, Mark, they start by, if they're not making enough money to meet their budget, go out there and do whatever it takes. Get your power washer, knock on the doors, do the whatever. And then what? Well, you cut your spending. You know, we're, we're not Congress people. So we don't get to spend way more money than we make. So, um, you know, if you're if you're like any of us and we're we're out there hustling every day, you have to align your spending plan with what you actually bring in. And that's you might say, well, I only bring in a thousand a month. Well, that's a lot of us living at home, doing whatever it takes, not not having right. the car we want, not having the things we want. And unfortunately, we live in the Kim Kardashian era where everyone everyone gets an iPhone, everyone gets a Mercedes, everyone gets, right, whether you can afford it or not. And right now we're at an all-time high with student loan debt, we're at an all-time high in mortgage debt and car debt and credit card debt. So Julia, the, the number one thing we gotta do is 
we got to take care of ourselves first. And this is counterintuitive to the way I was raised. And, and many of the listeners will, will have this experience where you were raised with some belief around money, but almost all of us share this idea that you're a better human being if you help other people and you, and you don't put yourself first. And I'm going to argue, I, I wrote a book one time for myself. It's not published. Uh, and I was just writing my thoughts. And one of the one of the controversial parts of that would be growing up the way I did in the church. I don't believe you should be tithing until you build your your net worth personally so that you can give a lot Ooh, more money later. Mark's going to start in trouble. Yeah, I don't know dangerous. Oh, Mark's going to start in trouble. We might have to cut that part Mark, out. You know how black folks feel about yeah. church. Here comes Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about some dumb. Somebody's, pa- somebody's pastor is writing us a letter right now. Here, I promise you. This, but by the way, write me a letter. Let, have, let me come talk to your congregation. You my offering plate now. <laughs> you know, I told Emmerich this years ago. I, I went to a mostly black church growing up. I, we were deep Southern Baptist, and you gave all your extra money to the church. And, and, and what that did in retrospect for my family is it, it, it kept the family poor. And I, we don't have to go down this, this tangent. My argument is. I have given millions of dollars away at this point in my life because I took a different approach. So the whole point here is you've got to take care of yourself first. No one else is going to, is going to take care of you and that's health and all things. Right. But, but, but wealth wise, it's, it's intuitive when you get on that airplane and you hear the, 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 the person say, put your mask on first before you put the mask on a child. But we, we treat, we treat wealth the opposite for some reason and because I have a strong, strong upbringing in the church, I just, I saw this. And again, I, I don't want to be controversial. I'm not saying you shouldn't tithe and you shouldn't, but, but giving all your excess money to the church and never building wealth for yourself is a sh- surefire way for the church to go out of business and for you to be broke. But, you know, and Julia, you said something. You said we got into a, a leadership management session. Um, the point that I was trying to get at when Mark was talking about lighting the fire within someone is that you, he said this earlier find somebody to be accountable to find yourself somebody. And my whole point was that all of these things that we're talking about, we're talking about mowing lawns. We talk about saving money. We talk about cutting your expenses. The real magic happens when you find someone who can help you to understand what you actually have to do to get to that next level, because you by yourself, you are only going to get to a certain level and your experience is going to drop you off and you're never going to get past that point. So my whole my whole thing was, who's the who to help you get to that next financial level? That's what that's the point. Out that's the sure, roundabout yeah. way I was working at that. Let me give you a, let me give you a thought on that, and that is, okay, I have I have a stable of influences in my in my wealth journey, and these are usually authors, their podcasts, or that you know their their books that that have really helped me because the other you said thing, their podcasts. So we're in that group now. In that group. It's called the color of money. But the point is, you've got to have some influences because most of us were not trained or educated around money. So even when, I mean, all three of you have, have reached heights that, you know, most people don't reach financially in terms of what you earn. But as we see with lottery winners and professional athletes and actors and actresses, just because you make a lot of money doesn't mean you build wealth. And that's where the next evolution happens. You have to educate yourself, be a part of a community. Um, it's 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 really cool to be the person driving the worst car in the lot. 
Like you, you got you got to be around people who are more concerned with your health and your well being around finances than the car you drive or the watch you wear. Yeah. I think particularly we, we have conversations about that. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Daniel, but the, I think what you just said, Mark, is unfortunately, particularly in our community, incredibly in an ineffective way of building wealth. I'll say it like that. And I know D- Daniel, and if, if y'all have not listened to the conversation that Daniel and Emrick and Bowman Keaty had, what episode was that? 13 or 14 or 17? Listen to them all. Anyways, they had a conversation. The, the, the episode is called, um, what's it called? <laughs> Something about black men, uh, but but anyway, listen to that yeah. episode because yeah. they they had a whole conversation about about that. In fact, it was one of the best episodes addressing you know really the impact that that has on the black community specifically. You know, right about wearing I, your wealth. Yeah, wearing your wealth. Yeah. <laughs> wearing your wealth. I, I want to address that, Julia. You and I kind of had this conversation today. You know my heart around this. The number one most aggressively targeted socioeconomic or racial group in this country is black women. It's young black women and it's student debt. It's the most, you've got Ivy League marketing people who are aggressively marketing and telling the story that the way you make your place in this world, if you're a, if you're a teenage black female, is you have to go get hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. And it's crushing because what I what I observe and what I see when I study this is that's also the the lowest performing in terms of wealth building. So it's it's almost 180 from what the promise is. And if I if I could accomplish one thing, I would get I would get in front of every female black teenager and say, do not do this. This is going to set you up for decades of of problems. And understand. There are, there are 14,000 marketing messages coming at us every day trying to get in our pocket. We are not strong enough individually to ward all those off. That's why we end up getting into what kind of sneakers you have or what kind of watch you wear, or what kind of car you drive. And I grew up in that environment. The way I show you I'm successful, I've owned 39 cars. It's the worst vice of, of my life. And thank goodness my income has been high enough to outweigh my stupidity. But I, I thought I had to prove, I, I remember I had no, I had negative net worth. I was driving a new Mercedes because where I grew up, that's how you flexed. That's how you showed people I'm, I'm worthy of your love, right? So we have to come together as a community we, and we got to help each other because it's, it's, unfortunately, it, it's, a, it's a dynamic problem that, that actually it exists in every socioeconomic group. The, the issue is there's some that are more targeted than others. You know, and I'm glad you brought that up. So two things uh, about that. Some of that idea, ideology that you have to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on student loan to be successful um, comes from our community. I was, sharing, I was sharing with Mark when he said that I went back home to church for the holidays and my pastor's wife is still asking me, did I, did I go and get that master's degree? And she still expects me to go and get a master's And I'm thinking like, I'm sorry, ma'am, for, for what? You know, like, like why would I spend $100,000 at this phase in my career to do what? But but it's just an ideology that that is what makes you successful. And I'm glad you brought it up because after we had that conversation, Mark, I called my friend, Dr. Melissa Chester. She is a professor at an HBCU. And I said, we want to have a conversation about student loan debt and how it doesn't help you build wealth. And, I, and she's going to be our, our next guest in a couple of weeks here to have a real conversation about, and she's a professor at an HBCU, you know, uh, of, of really what that impact is actually doing um, and that student loan debt is doing. And I'm a huge advocate for trade schools anyways. Uh, 
Um, so, but that's a whole, but so look forward to that conversation because I think we all need to actually have that conversation a lot more. Um, I'm not knocking college. It's just not for everybody. And, and, and there's a lot of ways to do it where you don't have to be building hundreds of thousands of dollars in student loan debt, uh, which on our previous episode with Ogla, we talked about is the number one thing that is keeping, in fact, black women down is the debt that we incur from educating ourselves. So, ooh, ooh, we getting a little dicey today. We didn't talk about the church. We didn't talk about <laughs> oppression. We, we watch out now. We didn't talk about thirty nine cars and purses. I'm, I'm a little. I don't know. We on the edge over here. We're but that's okay. That's we're, we're supposed to be on the edge. We're supposed to be on the edge. So I just love it. I'd rather I'd rather upset you for a minute and help you build wealth for a lifetime than than not love you at all. And I think that's probably I've gotten old enough and made so many mistakes and my foot size my mouth and, and all those things that that's kind of what I've gotten to is if I have an impact on your life that causes you to be wealthier and affect other people, then you don't have to like me, but you will. <laughs> okay. You know what? I'm gonna go with that one, Mark. I'm gonna go with that one. I'm going to go with that. I like that one. I'm going to go with that one myself. All right. Uh, Mark, what would be the last thing? If we if we were wrapping up here, uh, what would be the one thing that you would want people to get from this conversation? Well, it's it. the overall thing would be, if I had to sum it up into one thing, wealthy people spend about eight hours a month learning about focusing on their own wealth plan. Broke people spend zero hours a month. Many of us spend more time watching... American Idol than we do focusing on our wealth plan. And so what I would tell you, it's eight hours a month. And that's why I set up a, a half hour, hour weekly wealth building group to get half, you know, half of that done for you, but you got to pay attention to it. So have a plan, pay attention to it. If you're, if you're like my parents, you didn't go to the mailbox because there were bills in there. Right. And so you, you have to pay attention to it. It won't solve itself. In fact, I would argue the number one way to not build wealth is to not pay attention. So you've got to pay attention, have a plan, and and then stay involved. And it's going to change. Daniel nailed it earlier. The goalposts are going to move. My budget is no longer five thousand a month. I don't know if you know this, Julia, but I I need a lot more than that to sustain the lifestyle I want to provide and the giving I want to give and all those things. So you've got to go back and revisit it. You're going to learn over time. Be a part of a community. Be around people who love you. Don't judge you based on the car you drive, They're, but they love you based on the impact you have on the world. I think that's I think that's the number one thing is we can do this together. And I think there's never been a, a easier time in terms of, I, it, it, and I, this again, I'm going to cause more controversy, but I, I don't care your gender. I don't care your religious background, your financial background. You have an opportunity to take care of yourself first, and you have an opportunity to build wealth in this country like I believe we've never had historically as an entire country. I think there's been certain groups that have been advantaged and certain people that have been disadvantaged. And I think that gap has has closed a bit. we got a lot of work to do. We know that. And yet, right now is a time where you can change your place in this world, but you have to do it. So, Mark, you just mentioned in there that you have a uh, you have some coaching or some website or something. Can you can for people who are driving in their car? Can you actually say it's going to be in our show notes? But can you tell yeah. us how to hear more of your teachings? 
And by the way, I'm just going to throw out there, Mark actually was a pastor. So while he's talking about the church, Mark was a youth pastor. So let me just throw that in there real quick. <laughs> but please tell us how to get more of your teachings, Pastor Mark. I get, I get, a, lot of, I get a lot of black from my, my church friends. Uh, I would say go to go to Facebook, Wealth Building 2.0. It's free. We'll never sell you anything. It's, it's probably 20,000 people who just love each other. And we're, we're open to everything and question everything. And if you have a, and by the way, if you, if you have zero financial acumen, you'll benefit greatly. If you're a PhD in financial acumen, you'll benefit, benefit greatly. This is not complicated. It's super simple, but it is behavior based. So it starts with you and your behavior, but wealth building 2.0 Facebook. I thought it was a great episode. Simple, easy, easy, easily digestible, and give some some certain intention and, and thought setting for for the new year. Thank you for this, Mark. Very good. Thank you. Yes, yes. I appreciate you, Pastor Mark, and your hundred dollar <laughs> wisdom. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right, friends, and 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 with that, the doors of the church are open. Uh, you can donate at, no, I'm kidding. We don't have any link to donate. Uh, but but thank you all for joining us. Thanks for joining this episode. Welcome to 2024. Tune in next week for another great episode on the Color of Money podcast. Talk to y'all later. Follow the Color of Money podcast today and get notified when new episodes are released weekly. Be part of this transformative listening experience. This podcast is for general informational purposes only. The views, thoughts, and opinions of the guest represent those of the guest and not KWRI and its affiliates and should not be construed as financial, economic, legal, tax, or other advice. This podcast is provided without any warranty or guarantee of its accuracy, completeness, timeliness, or results from using the information. 